0: Welcome to Standing in the Gap. I'm your host, preacher, Brandon Harrell. Standing in the Gap is a weekly audio Bible study dedicated to the verse-by-verse exposition of the KJV Scriptures. It is my prayer that through these studies, the lost will be saved, the believer edified, and most of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be magnified and honored through the proclamation of His Word. For correspondence information, please stay tuned until the end of the broadcast. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this week's Standing in the Gap. All right, this is Preacher Brandon. We are studying the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, we've been in chapter 1 for several weeks now, but I'm going to skip ahead in light of the fact that this is. Uh, being recorded the week before Easter Sunday. And I've just been uh, thinking and pondering, meditating upon the reality of the resurrection of Christ. And a little text uh, and a message that the Lord put in my heart several years ago has come back to mind. And I wanted to share some thoughts with you here today out of Matthew chapter number 28. And beginning in verse 11, we'll read down through verse 15. Now when they were going, this is speaking of the ladies who had come to the tomb and found it empty. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Now, speaking here of the resurrection of Christ, the ladies have come. They found the tomb empty. The watch that had been appointed to uh, keep guard over the tomb of Christ have now come back and reported and, uh, to the chief priests all the things that were done. They told of the earthquake, they told of the missing body of Jesus, and then the payoff is offered and they give them command to lie and uh, they say, they assure them that they'll take care of them if uh, when the governor hears about it. And so they took the money and they did as they were taught. And the Bible said this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Now, the resurrection of Christ is essential to the Christian faith. In 1 Corinthians 15, 14, the scripture says, And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. It is of absolute necessity for our salvation that we believe in the resurrection of Christ. In Romans 10:9 we read that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 4:25 tells us that without the resurrection there is no justification. For Jesus was delivered for our offences and was raised again for our justification. Paul goes so far in 1 Corinthians 15 as to say in verses 17 to 19, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they which also were fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. It's because of the essentialness of the resurrection that Satan has labored so very much to deny it As a probable event, now it's amazing some of the theories that are often put forth to explain away the resurrection of Christ. There is that thing called the swoon theory. Uh, The argument is that the blood loss uh, of Christ led to shock and eventually uh, sort of a coma, but that Jesus wasn't really dead. Three cool days and the dampness of the tomb revived him, and he came to and. Uh, Though he was still bloody and battered from the cross, he rolled the stone away and overpowered the Roman guard and walked seven miles to meet the disciples on wounded feet with a punctured lung and heart. Wow. If I go into a coma, will the doctor put me into a cave? It's unlikely. Even the Pharisees admitted that he was dead in Matthew 27, verse 63. They said, sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days, I'll rise again. They understood that he was now dead. Then some put forth a theory of a pit. They say Jesus wasn't placed in a tomb. He was thrown in a pit with other crucifixion victims. And so it's no wonder that they couldn't find his body in the tomb. If this was so then why didn't they just simply retrieve his body from the pit and settle this matter once for all? Some say that those disciples didn't see Jesus after this supposed resurrection, that rather it was an imposter that they saw. It wasn't really Jesus at all. Well, first of all, the disciples must have been really gullible. Secondly, how did this imposter show Thomas his wounds and still be believable? And thirdly, was he some kind of magician? For Jesus entered the upper room, the door being shut. Um, by the way then, where's the body of Jesus? Others said that there was a telepathic message, that God sent telepathic images to the disciples. So God can send telepathic images, but he can't raise the dead? It seems a little far-fetched when God's word is plain as to what happened. Others say that there were hallucinations. The theory suggests that the disciples wanted Jesus to be raised so badly that they imagined that it had been so. Uh, What's a big issue with this is that Scripture makes no indication that they expected to ever see Christ again. They were defeated, discouraged, and they were despondent, hiding in the upper room. And at the risk of being redundant, my question remains, where is the body? Now, all that said, this brings us to our text. This story does at least explain the missing body, the one put forth here in the text, that it was supposedly stolen away while the guards slept. But this really is the most difficult of all the explanations to believe. Yet, this is the one that the enemies of the cross of Christ have chosen to to go with. This is their story and they're sticking to it. Uh, So let's think about this for a few minutes and examine the thought of a story full of holes. The story full of holes. First of all, I would mention its inception. In Matthew 27, verse number 62, it says, Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir... We remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days, I will rise again. You see, there was the memory of the Pharisees of what the Lord Jesus had said. He had privately stated this, that he would rise again after three days in Matthew sixteen twenty-one, And he had publicly stated this in Matthew 12, verses 38 to 40. And though the disciples did not remember this, the Pharisees remembered it. And so they realized that they had to do something to ensure that a rumor couldn't be spread that he was uh, risen from the dead. Their motivations were very simply stated in verse 64 of Matthew 27, Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first, they didn't want the people to continue to be believing upon the Lord. Then it all come to pass in chapter 28, verses 1 to 4, we find the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and we find what took place there at the tomb with the earthquake and the lightning and things of that nature. And these guards saw that and they go back in verse 11 to report what they saw to the chief priests. So the inception here, they wanted to try to head this off at the past. They did everything they could to prevent this supposed resurrection. But then notice, secondly, it's impossibilities. This story that's put forth in our text was impossible, first of all, because of the feelings of his followers. Uh, They were not looking to... Uh, see him again. They were not expecting the risen Lord. They were everything, but expecting to see the Lord. The women in Mark sixteen one were, uh, they were bringing spices to anoint him that first day of the week. The disciples in Luke twenty four eleven said their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus, Jesus approached them and said, Why are ye so sad? And so the feelings of his followers proved that this story was impossible. But then the preparations of the Pharisees prove it. In chapter 27, verses 62 and following, we read a few of them already, but in verse 65, Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as ye can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Then it was made impossible by the reputations of the Romans. In verses 65 and 66, they were going to make sure no one could steal this body. You remember in Acts 16, the Philippian jailer, when he thought his criminals had escaped, when he thought he'd failed at his duty, he would have killed himself. These Romans had a reputation of that and uh, they were given this strong duty to go and to make sure uh, that this body was kept in in the tomb. But then another big problem and impossibility with this is because of their state during sleep. In chapter twenty eight, verse twelve say ye his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were uh, while we slept. Uh, This is hardly an eyewitness account. They have to tell something that happened while they were asleep. Now, I don't know about you, but the only thing I ever see when I'm sleeping is the back of my eyelids. But that is the account that was put forth and was accepted of the resurrection of Christ. They stole him away while we were sleeping. Well, you could not prove that, and you did not know that for certain This was an impossible story. But then I would mention its inclusion in the Scripture. Why would God even tell us about this in the Word of God? First of all, it is included that we might recognize the devices of Satan, uh, that Satan would lie, that he would pay off guards to tell a lie, that men would not believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, that we may realize the depravity of sinners, In verse 11 of chapter 28, when they were going, behold, some of the watch came unto the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. They believed it. They knew that Christ had risen. Yet, in verse 15, they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Those guards knew the truth but accepted money to deny it and to tell a lie. But then we must understand that this is included that we might rest in the dependability of the Savior. Verse number 63 of chapter 27, it said, That deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. And brother and sister, that's exactly what Jesus did. He rose from the dead. And then this is included lastly that we may recall the demands of the story. In Acts chapter number 17, verses 29 to 31, we find that God is not like unto gold, that he should be worshipped by man's device. Verse 30 says, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness, By that man whom he hath ordained, God will judge this world by the standard of that man whom he hath ordained. Who is that man? Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Uh, The most established fact in history is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to this earth, he lived, he died in the stead of sinners, he rose again the third day, and you must repent and believe upon him to have your sins forgiven and to have his righteousness imputed unto you. Till next time, this has been Preacher Brandon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Standing in the Gap. It is my desire that today's episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, my email is bcharel 83 at ProtonMail.com. That's B-C-H-A-R-R-E-L-L 83 at ProtonMail.com. You can also reach me by phone at 828-777-4923. Tune in next time for Standing in the Gap.